Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. CTFM, this is Eyewitness News, live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop, in Adabraka, here in Accra, with me, Ni Lati Lati. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. In the next 90 minutes, with just a few days to the NDC presidential and parliamentary primaries, the party is being asked to put the polls on hold over credibility of the electoral register. The incomplete and inaccurate voter register has a high potential of deliberately causing a severe damage to the bright chances of candidate Dr. Kwabna Dufour, which we are unable to countenance. Considering the findings, Tim Dufour is demanding the following. A postponement of the May 13th presidential primaries, stakeholder meeting to establish an agreeable roadmap that will guarantee the integrity of the voter register. Tonight, the demands of NDC flag hopeful Dr. Kwabena Dufour as he raises concerns of inaccurate and incomplete voter album. Still on Eyewitness News. Sunan Asogli's $750 million cannot buy our rights. No way! No way! We are demonstrating to the whole world. Yes. Of three work glee in the balance for a re- and later. Uh, what I can say now is, we have, have only, them themselves say there are only seven in the building, and those seven are all injured. So they've taken them to, uh, uh, what do you call this place? Botiano, Botiano Hospital. And one has been transferred to Kolebu, so that was it. Four buildings collapsed in eight days nationwide, with the latest happening at Botiano in the Gasouth district of the Greater Accra region, involving a church auditorium with seven construction workers severely wounded. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on these and other stories on Eyewitness News and later in business. Economist Professor Godfred Bobkin reiterate calls for urgent measures to ensure stability of the Ghana city. That's in the next 15 minutes with Nashika Caesar for the top stories in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on our partner stations, Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi, and Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi, all in the Western region. If you are listening to us in the Bono region, this is Greena 95.9 FM in Sunyani Ashanti region, Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In the Eastern region, this is right, 90.1 FM in Somanya, Holy 98.5 FM in Aplau in the Volta region. Your dial is Dasuma, 99.1 FM in Yendi, if you are listening to us in the Northern region. Word 88.3 FM in Zwarungu in the Upper East region and Bugli Radio, 88.6 FM in Wa in the Upper West region. The show is also live on Facebook on City 97.3 FM and also on YouTube on CityTube. Eyewitness News is interactive. Tell us what you make of the stories we are bringing you. Share your views and thoughts via WhatsApp on 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996.
986996. This is Eyewitness News or 97.3 CTFM. My name is Ni Lati Lati here tonight with Enu Safu, who brings us our first story. The Trades Union Congress today demonstrated against Sunona Sogli Power Limited for its refusal to reinstate three dismissed workers as their local union executives. According to the union, the workers had their contracts terminated because they decided to join the Ghana Mine Workers Union under the Trades Union Congress. But Sununa Sogli has refuted such claims, explaining that the workers were dismissed due to the union's unlawful operations in the company. Speaking to the media, the Secretary General of the Trades Union Congress, Dr. Yalba, says he remains positive that the workers will be reinstated. We workers in Ghana are not against any investor coming to Ghana. But Sunan Asogli's $750 million cannot buy our rights. No way! No way! No way! So today, we are demonstrating to the whole world that unions in this country will exercise their right. Yes! Yes! We will not allow our three colleagues to be dismissed. Our demand is very simple. And we have made it very clear to the employer that our three colleagues must be reinstated. And we will fight and fight and fight until they are reinstated. And we know that the goal that has brought us here will be achieved. You heard the Secretary General of the Trades Union Congress, Dr. Yalba. Well, let's stay with this particular story because today the Trades Union Congress uh, did their demonstration demanding the reinstatement of the three dismissed workers of Sunan Asagli. We know how this particular story has unfolded in the past weeks. This is still Eyewitness News or 97.3 CTFM. They are trying to raise Mr. Abdulmumun Bana. He is General Secretary of the Ghana Mine Workers Union to pick his thoughts on that demonstration earlier today against the Sunan Asogli Power Company Limited. But before we get to him, let's hear from him because he actually addressed the press today when they demonstrated in Pong today. We all know why we are here today. Yes. We are being exploited by a Chinese employer called Sunan Asogli. Yeah, yeah. Our rights as workers are being abused by a Chinese employer called Sunan Asogli. Yeah. Are we going to sit down for this no. to happen? No. Will we sit down for this to happen? No. Shall we sit down for this to happen? No. They dismissed three of our leaders, our union leaders, for, for absolutely no reason. They said because they joined the union and they, they chose to be elected as union leaders. They have to dismiss them. Choboy! Those of us here, are we not union members? Yeah. Are we not employees of uh, employers? Do 
we not come from different, different companies? Chobai! Chobai! Why must Sunan Asogli be different? Why must Sunan Asogli be different? Chobai! Chobai! We will not sit down for this to happen to us. Our three union leaders must be reinstated. Chobai! They must be reinstated. They must bring down back our three union leaders. Chobai! Chobai! That's General Secretary of the Ghana Mine Workers Union, Abdul Mumin, who joins us via telephone. Mr. Mumin, good evening to you and welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, good evening uh, to your listeners and good evening to your good self. Mm, very well. Today you held a protest or demonstration demanding the reinstatement of these three dismissed workers of the Sunan Asogli Power Limited. But are you not already fighting for a lost cause because the company says it is not going to reinstate these workers? Uh, well, it takes two to tango. If that is the intransigent position the company has taken, then that is extremely unfortunate. I want to place on record that Ghana Man Workers Union, the TUC, do not agree with that position. We believe that these three union leaders did nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong. The only crime, according to the company they committed, is the fact that they joined the union and they volunteered to lead their fellow colleagues. And that is the only reason why they have terminated their appointment. And I can say for a fact that the union leaders who unfortunately have been taken through, you know, this bizarre, you know, situation, are among the best of workers of that company. And so they can choose to take that intransigent position. The, the Mine Workers Union, the Trade Union Congress position, is that the three union leaders must be reinstated. And that is absolutely non-negotiable. Non-negotiable, you say, but really, uh, why are you actually pushing for the reinstatement of these three workers? On what basis? Because the company, in a statement to clarify this issue, makes a number of, you know, allegations against you as a union. But before we even get to that, they say that the employment contract is not servitude and then, and that either party to the contract may terminate the contract at any material time in accordance with the provisions of Act 651 and the contract. You want to disagree? I disagree completely. I, I disagree completely. What, is in, what, what needs to be noted is the fact that um, every contract okay, has terms and conditions that regulate it. As I speak to you now, you cannot lash onto the fact that employment contracts are not servitude, and for that matter, you can get up one morning and just terminate an employee's contract when there are laid-down procedures that you must deploy. If you are minded to have read the response of Ghana Man Workers Union and for that matter, TUC, to the press statement of student assembly, we have made it clear that the workers have a general conditions of service which requires you to prove culpability before you can terminate an employee's appointment. You cannot take that simplistic position and hide behind the fact that you do not need unions at the workplace to terminate employees' appointment. 
I mean, we cannot operate in a system like that. And so we disagree with that assertion. They know too well that they are mixing the facts. If you have a general conditions of service that say that, you need to prove culpability when an employee commits an offense. What offense did they commit? They committed absolutely no offense. Did you establish culpability? You did not establish culpability. So on what basis do you terminate the employee's appointment? That is absolutely absurd. And this is not something anybody can affect. Trade unions exist to protect the employment interest and for that matter, the socioeconomic interest of its members. As long as we remain a trade union, the trade union congress would not accept this position at all. Employment is not servitude, like they said. It's a, it's a service. And that is why there are terms and conditions that regulate the employment relationship. What they have done is just servitude. If you treat an employee, you treat labor, I see later where commodity that you buy off the shelf, and when you have exhausted or finished using it, you dump it in a dustbin. That is servitude. When you wake up in the morning, the worker dresses up to go to work. He gets to the gate and you hand a, 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 a termination letter to him. That is servitude. When an employee is off duty, preparing to come to work the following day, and you send a termination letter to him by email, that is servitude. When an employee is working, busily working in the office, you send the Ghana Police Service, you send men of the Ghana Police Service to go in there and escort him in the full glare of the public, treat him like a common criminal. That is servitude. So this company, their level of arrogance is just unbecoming. And I do not know where they're drawing all of these powers from. So my brother, let me put on record that they cannot claim that employment is not servitude, and for that matter, you can decide to do anything and have your way. It cannot happen that way. Not at all. As I speak to you now, Sunan Asogli is part of the Independent Power Producers Association. It's an employer's association. And this is a guarantee in the Labor Act. Employers have the right to why do together to come together to form a common platform? through which they can press on their common demand. Recently, they were arguing out there in the public space about the fact that government is indebted to them by way of payment of blah, blah, blah to, the, to, the, to them. Why did they use the independent power producers platform to advocate for the interest of the employer? And so if workers decide to come together to freely exercise their fundamental rights, on what grounds would an employer stop such work, I mean, such group of workers by simply terminating the face of the union. If you cut the head of the union, do you want the union to exist? No, because that is deliberate, it is calculated, and that is what they are, they are hell bent on doing. Well, but the company uh, actually accused you of, you know, in intimidating them with your aggression in the fact that you illegally held a protest on their premises, which happens to be a security installation without authorization and that your conduct was untoward. How do you react to all these allegations that have been leveled against you? My, my, my brother, they reference Section 131 of the Labor Act and proceed to say that what the union did with its members was unlawful. Let me say that Section 131 requires that 
you cannot buy into a company without you know seeking the consent or the permission of the employer we went under section 129 of the same labor act we wrote to sunan asogbe on three different locations requesting to meet with our members members that we had fully disposed to sunan asogbe and remember that sunan asogbe is not the only employer operating within the labor market we deal with several employers who recognize the rules of engagement and the fact that unions have the right to meet members or meet their members at the workplace. We wrote on three different occasions. Sunan Assembly blatantly turned down that request. We met with our members. I must say that we met with them in a public space. We met them under one hour. We, it was very civil. They are only concocting stuff to make it sound like the union had done something wrong. The union did absolutely nothing wrong. Straight the agreement. They talk about 34 workers. How come that today we are talking about eliminating trade union leaders? How about the 34 workers that met with the union when the union engaged with them under one hour? Okay, so it is important that we remind ourselves that to every right there's a responsibility. And what is good for the Ganda is good for the goose. What is good for Sunan Assembly is what they claim to project in the media space to say that the union gathered unlawfully. And going under section 131. But in equal measure, section 129 puts an obligation on them to make it available, make space, and make logistics available to a union to be able to operate in, at the workplace by meeting its members. And this should be done within, within 24 hours when the union requests to do so. On three different occasions, the union writes to but, you. But Mr. Moomin, if, if sorry to interject, but two wrongs obviously do not make a right. I want you to believe that. But if you are pushing for what is right or what is due your members, do you have to go to the company without permission? My brother, that's what I'm telling you that it is not that we went to the company premises to embark on any illegality. What, what did you go there to do then? We, we met. We met with our members in a public space. We met with our members in a public space. All the workers that attended that engagement were off duty on the day. We met them under one hour. It was civil, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so, if they turn around and make that accusation, that obviously cannot hold. But if you are minded, if you are minded, respectfully, I request that you, you read the 8th March release in the daily graphic, page four and five, when we responded adequately to the press release of, uh, of Sunan Assembly on the 4th of May. Sorry, on the 8th of May, we responded to their press statement of the 4th of May. And we have detailed out what exactly the issues are. I see. So now that you've demonstrated uh, trying to get these three workers uh, reinstated, what's next for you as, as an association? Well, as a union, like I said, we are working with the Trade Union Congress. We have seen the three affiliate unions of the TUC. We gathered at Sunan at, at home, precisely right in front of the company today, to demonstrate. Now, there are a series of actions that we have lined up. I may not be able to disclose uh, them at the moment, but I can assure you that this fight is not over. We will not retreat and we will not surrender. The union leaders, like I said, did absolutely nothing wrong. 
as I speak to you now, if I, if your employer walks into the room and hands over a letter to you and says you are terminated from employment, if you have the general conditions of service, or if you are unionized and you have you have collective agreement, and they are clearly laid down rules, uh, uh, processes and procedures that the employer is supposed to follow. Trust me, the labor law says that that takes preeminence or precedence or prominence over and above any common law position of employment is not services. And for that matter, you can terminate at will. Nobody is a commodity. Labor is not a commodity. You cannot buy off labor, use it anyhow you want, and dump it. Like I said, the chairman has worked in Sony Masongi for 10 years. This is a very smart engineer that has worked in the company for 10 good years. The secretary worked in the country for eight good years. The assistant secretary worked in the country for eight good years. In all these years, there have been some of the best engineers that this company has. So if they decide to join a union and then make themselves available to meet their, their colleagues, for Christ's sake, how on earth can a, an employer descend on these three innocent young men in 21st century Ghana? Please, it just beats every imagination. But that's your raft of, of measures you are considering. If they have conscience as an employer, which I expect them to have, we go to this extreme. And so we are determined, we are not protected. We are determined to ensure that these workers are reinstated. It is either their investment or the respect for the rights of the workers. You came in here with your investment. You went through the requirements and strengthened our laws. Ghana, and for that matter, the government gave you opportunity and enabling environment to operate in. Why do you not want to give an enabling environment for workers to operate in? Why do you think that you must tighten the rights of workers just so that your business can thrive and you can make super normal profits on the basis of the sweat of these workers? And so for me, what is good for the Ghana is good for the goose. On the balance of probability, that is where every well-meaning Ghanaian should be arguing and should be seeing these matters from. The rights that Sonin Asogli has, same rights apply to these workers. And so please, in the greatest of respect, if the Energy Commission, which is the regulator of that sector, decides today to withdraw the license of Sonin Asogli and tell them to pack out and leave, you know what they're going to do? You think they're going to go away without, without a fight? So please, these workers have done absolutely nothing wrong. They deserve to work in that company. And it is not for them to think that because they brought an investment, the rights of workers must be arrogated to the background. And for that matter, any issue to do with unionization of workers must not be held in that company. I think that our laws do not agree with that position. Mm. But, but finally, are you working with any timelines? Uh, expiration of that particular deadline will lead to you triggering your next line of action. And, and that's your route of measures, actually. Are you considering, you know, legal action? My brother, the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is that when this whole matter broke up, we raised, we sent petitions to the Ministry for uh, for, 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 for labor and employment, uh, so the Minister for Labor and Employment, and a uh, petition was served on the Minister for Energy, 
uh, on the Minister for National Security, on the Minister for Finance. In fact, he sent the petition on Tobe Afebe. Tobe Afebe, okay? The Royal Majesty of the of Mafia, right? He sent these petitions on all of them. Interventions have been made one way or the other, but no positive response has come out of it. We are open to dialogue as much as we are open to all the other options that are available to us as we speak. Dialogue, the trade unions do not shy away from dialogue. Indeed, we are committed to social dialogue and we are ready to engage any day, any time. But we also have a lineup of you know, uh, uh, actions that we will be embarking on. And so between now I will not be able to give you specific timelines. I can, I can assure you that we have a committee that is appraising all the, everything that we do on a daily basis. And at every material moment, when it requires that we embark on any action, we will do so. What is important is that we will do what we have to do until these three innocent gentlemen are reinstated into that company. All right, you are grateful. That's Abdul Mumin, General Secretary of the Ghana Mine Workers Union. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka here in Accra. My name is Ni Lati Lati here tonight with Enu Safo. Stay with us. We have more after this. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News. Let's do some more stories. Members of the Pensioner Bondholders Forum have picketed at the finance ministry for the second day to demand the payment of all outstanding coupons and principals on their bonds. This is the second time the group of pensioners is using this channel to voice their opinions after they successfully secured an, in- an issuer exemption from the domestic debt exchange program in February. Although the government has made some payments recently, the pensioners tell City News the lack of clarity and communication from the ministry makes planning difficult. If you exempt somebody, then you don't come back and say, let me discuss with you. It is the person who stepped out. They are saying, look, you stepped out, but now I'm finding it difficult. But this one I exempted because I exempted because I am sure that together with those who joined, I can pay them. Fine, that is it. Then now, we come 21st, you say that we said no. Then you come, we give you up to 28th. Then you announce that you will pay all before the end of the month. It is just fair at a certain level to maintain your integrity and your word because you have you have told the whole world and you have told us your creditors that i'll pay everything before me now what happens nothing happens we are now in may early march bills have not been paid then suddenly when we say we'll go you start paying you are paying it in pieces. Today you pay 6th, then you come to 20th, then there's another 6th which is outstanding, and we have to figure out what is happening. If you have a problem, I think in all fairness, because you wrote and stood in front of Parliament and on behalf of the Finance Ministry said, and on behalf of the Government of Ghana said, I have exempted you. 
tell the person I have a problem. This specific dates, I'll pay these amounts. The person can also plan, go to bed. There are people like this medication and things people are talking about. If I have medication and I know that on this day, you keep your word, you pay this way. Then if I can buy, I buy. But if I'm not sure what I'm holding, I may space, space out the drugs and it will be good for me. So it is in all fairness that you communicate. It's all a matter of communication. If you communicate, you understand. But we are sitting here, you don't know whether it will be paid or not. Then the night you get an alert, you check, you have two bonds. The old one has been, the new one has been paid, the old one has not been paid. It's just, you don't know what is happening. Richard Akolache is a pensioner. Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM live from our studios here at number 11, Dr. Martin Lu in Adabraka here in Accra. Let's bring you one of our top stories this evening that has to do with that call by the NDC flagra hopeful Dr. Kwabna Dufour demanding the postponement of the party's presidential primaries uh, which has been scheduled later this Saturday. Let's speak to a member of his team, Head of Research and Strategy, Kofi Kukubo, who joins us this evening on Eyewitness News. Mr. Kukubo, good evening to you and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. We have cited your statement, which is directed to the party leadership. Have you received any form of response between when you submitted the letter and now? We do not have any response. And, and what can you attribute to the delay in the response for the party to act on your concerns? I do not know, because they have not communicated any position to us. So it will be difficult for me to speak on behalf of the party. Mm. But why will you be raising these grave concerns just days to your party's much-anticipated, you know, primaries? Because we had access to part of the voters' register on the 4th of May. So that was the only time we, we had a chance to analyze the, the voter register. We had it on the, we took delivery of it on the 4th of May. So and that is to only 220 uh, constituents. So the analysis that we, we conducted, the assessment, right, was based on 220. And that is on the complete, uh, the full complement of the, of the voter register. So the time that we had access to the voter register, that was opportunity. That was a time frame that we used to assess, uh, conduct assessment on the register. I see. So, in your assessment of the register, what really did you find? Yeah, we find inaccuracies and incomplete. Once you give us two hundred twenty uh, 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 photo album, which is a voter's register, because we are made aware that on the day of election, it is a voter register, which is a photo album. Just like what you see, that's where you see your picture and all the. Uh, details for valid, valid, validation. That's what it's going to do. So that is the voter register, and uh, that is that is the time we could raise the issue. So once that is a base document, we have realized that if one it is incomplete because two hundred twenty part of two seventy five constituents clearly shows that the, the the voter register that is a base document for elections that will take place on the thirteenth is incomplete. Nobody goes to an election of this significance with an incomplete register. Number two, we have discovered some inaccuracy. But, but before you so, go on, the other contenders yeah. in the race, were they also provided with the same 220 photo albums that you make mention of? Uh, please, you may refer that question to them. 
I'm, I'm asking because you are the only you are the only team raising the concerns. Because on the fourth of May, we have one new young Vanderpool representing John Mohammed's uh, 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 group or campaign team. Let me use appropriate word campaign team. Then we have one Revenue representing a Kojo Bonsu's campaign team. Now, in the minute that was given to us only yesterday of the or, or, or of the, the fourth May meeting, it was stated that the Reverend Lillian, representing Kojobans, said that he should provide an email whereby a photo album of the constituency uh, a, a voter register will be forwarded to her email. And again, according to the minutes we have had, uh, the 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 Jangma Vandapostit that he will bring a pen drive to come and collect the uh, uh, voter register. So I don't know whether they have received it or not. So I cannot speak to them. I can only speak to what I am. And you have not received any explanation whatsoever for the 55 uh, voter album deficit? No, we have not received any information. Mm. But among all the reliefs that you are seeking, do you think that the postponement is what will bring an end to your, your concerns? I've made a point that I've never seen any election in my life whereby the base document for the election is incomplete. We have to 75 constituents. And as of now, one of the major stakeholders that have not has only 220 constituencies of, of, of the voter register. So how do we go into an election? What are our polling agents are going to cast? What are they going to protest? How are we going to declare the percentage of those who won and those who lost? How are we going to calculate the percentage? Out of 275, only 220 is given. That means the register is incomplete. So we cannot go to an election with incomplete register, which is also full of inaccuracy. It, it means that the base document it's, it's, it's not credible. And that poses a danger of chaos, mistrust, and uh, a dispute. We don't want NDC to come out of this election with divisions and disputes. We want a united party. And the only way we can guarantee that is to ensure that the base document that would ensure uh, 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 that uh, those things I've men mentioned are not happening is a credible vote register. That will guarantee free and fair election. That's all. That's what we're asking for. But but are you working with any time frame? If you say postponement, when <laughs> what time frame are you looking at the party? If indeed it wants to listen to your concerns, we that you cannot face? suggest a time frame. That's why we have written to the party, the general secretary, and the elections committee. If they are desirous of addressing the challenges we have raised, then they should come up with a time frame and inform all stakeholders to address the issue. And as we speak now, we do not have any information indicating any time frame. But it appears plans are far advanced for the uh, primaries this weekend. And so if your concerns are not addressed by, by Saturday, what really becomes of your campaign and, the, and your participation in the election? Oh, you know, elections are grounded in law. So therefore, we just have to make sure we explore the legal avenues. Have you begun and writing those... to the party in the first place is one of the steps in invoking the legal avenues. Because we have to inform the party. Because you cannot, you cannot go do anything if you have not informed the party 
of the irregularities or the incompleteness or the problem you have with you identify with the register. So all the steps we are taking are legal process. So we are we are bent on exploring all the legal elements to ensure the credibility of the computer register. And the focus is to ensure the credibility of the voter register. Nothing more than that. So when are you hoping to hear from the party officially? I don't know. That is their call. But their silence means that the election will be coming off as expected. You do not think so? I do not want to imply anything. All right, uh, let's leave it here. That's Kofi Kukubo, Head Thank of you. Research and Strategy of the campaign team of NDC Flagra Hopeful, Dr. Kwabna Dufour. Let's get a reaction from the party. Let me now bring in Deputy General Secretary of the NDC, Mustafa Gbande. Uh, Mr. Gbande, good evening to you and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. Now, the, the campaign team of Dr. Dufour say that they have written to your office uh, demanding clarity on the voter album that you are using for Saturday's polls, but they have not received any favorable response from your outfit. Exactly why? Thank you very much for having me. I think, first of all, my first reaction is that his claim that party leadership is silent on his letter is itself not true. Number two, when he himself wrote a letter just yesterday requesting for information that are technical, and within eight hours, he's claiming that leadership is not giving him a hearing in itself problematic. It's incorrect and problematic. Kukubo himself, as a member of Dr. Dufour's campaign team, was in a meeting with the Elections Committee of the party to address this same issue. And as soon as he left... When was this meeting you're talking about held? Uh, Mr. Gbandi, when was this meeting you're talking about held? Yesterday. I'm, te I'm telling you that yesterday. Our time. Please, I am repeating that all aspirants had their representatives in a meeting yesterday with the party to address these same issues. In but but, but I just spoke to him. Process. He said that he has not received but any response from you. Why do you think we'll be doing that then? I'm, I'm telling you issues, I'm stating issues of fact. And I'm saying that in his letter, he failed to mention that we were in a meeting yesterday. He also failed to mention that what he referred to as incomplete and to the extent that it's fundamental to the credibility of the election, he's been given about 80% of the data. And assurances were given that today the technical committee will finish their work and they will have the remaining constituencies for the purposes of the album. Let me also state that about a month ago, all aspirants have full delegates list based on which they've been campaigning. So to come out and say that you don't have any information leading to an election is problematic and unfounded. Mm, okay. Fair enough. That. Be before you continue, Mr. Gbandi, I want us to clarify this particular issue. You mentioned that mm. you met uh, the campaign teams of all the aspirants yesterday and then 80% of the data was provided, 20% for which you said was to be provided by close of day to day. Has that 20% of the data been provided, uh, you know, these campaign teams? It is aware, the campaign team is also aware that they are meeting the elections committee tonight. Let me tell you, the, that campaign in itself is disorganized and their level of consistency is questionable. 
Oh, let's speak you to the issues, Mr. Gbande. Let, let's speak to the issues other than attacking breath, the campaign you team. You have on one breath the same committee members coming to represent themselves in a matter. Then you have other members coming up claiming they do not have information. So I'm saying that if they were sharing information among themselves, we will not be where we are. Nonetheless, leadership is in the position to address every concern raised by any aspirant. And we'll do so because it is their right. Whilst we address them, they should not hardly go to the public and begin to sing fouls and accusing and pointing fingers at national executives when no one has done anything wrong. No one intends to rig an election. The processes are very transparent. The reason why we have introduced the Arbol system is to reduce impersonation, which goes to confirm their fear that we are trying to ensure that there is transparency and credibility in the election that we are going to hold on Saturday. And I can assure the general public that the executive committee of the party will make accessible to all aspirants information relevant to the election on Saturday. In fact, they have already had their delegates list one month ago. They have also gotten about 80% of the album for which they came up with their complaints only yesterday in our meeting. And so, because you have presented a, a, a complaint yesterday and you haven't had an answer, doesn't mean that election is flawed. He admits that they are not speaking about other processes but except the register. Now, if you have five processes of an election and you are complaining about only one, should we say that the entire exercise is flawed? We cannot say that. Election will come on, on Saturday. Leadership will address concerns that various aspir uh, this particular aspirant or campaign team is raising so that we can move forward. We are the same family, and no one uh, intends to, to sideline them in the process. They are aware that we have been very transparent, very neutral in this exercise. And so that is what is going to stand. I see. So if I get you clearly, uh, there is no way the party is going to consider the postponement of the polls as being uh, asked by the campaign team of Dr. Dufour. Anybody that intends to embark on that path is very is a very dangerous path, and it's a test of the resolve of party people. And but, he or she would have a question to answer to the party people. We are just drivers of the process. The process is credible and assuring enough. <clears throat> we cannot meet their threshold, but we have outlined procedures, guidelines that we are following. Those guidelines are, are, are to the, they are all aware of those guidelines. And so we are not operating on any path that they are not aware of. But if they have their own desires, we cannot help them achieve those desires. We can only give each aspirant a fair you know, participation of the process. But is the party also not mindful that there will be accusations in the aftermath of the polls that the election was flawed because you failed to resolve this particular impasse? Because you say you say you are meeting the parties tonight. Is that correct? I can assure you that based on the processes that we have put in place and the audience that have been granted all aspirants, except if anyone wants to embark on a very malicious you know, path. The credibility of this election is unquestionable. The processes are clean enough. They are very transparent enough. We ourselves as national leadership are interested in ensuring that we conduct a transparent election. Don't forget that these aspirants have various interests. 
and the competition in terms of this interest will be demonstrated in some of these allegations that they put forward. But we are resolved to ensure that we organize a very transparent election, and that is not questionable. Very well, thank you. That's Mustafa Gbande, Deputy General Secretary of the National Democratic Congress. Let's stay a while longer on the NDC. And Enu has that particular story. A Koforidia High Court has dismissed the application for an interlocutory injunction filed by the former Eastern Regional Chairman of the National Democratic Congress against the new regional executives of the party. The interlocutory injunction filed by lawyers of the former chairman, John Usu Amankra, was asking the court to stop the regional executives from holding themselves up as regional executives. The presiding judge, Justice William Osekofor, after earlier considering submissions by both lawyers and carefully examining documents brought by both parties, dismissed the application indicating that the relief lacks merit based Article 18.2 of the party's constitution. The counsel for the defense and chairman of the Eastern Regional NDC legal team, Isaac Mintalabi, spoke to the media after the judgment. Basically, the court said that the entire application is not warranted, and so he has dismissed it. So at this stage, the case will have to die a natural death. And then, you know, we are one family. Normally, in matters like this, we even take cost, but we didn't ask for cost because we are one family. We may have to take steps to, you know, amend our wounds, you know, so we can go and fight our common enemy at this stage. You know, the lawsuit was against the duly elected regional executives of the eastern region and the injunction application was seeking for an order of the court to restrain all the duly elected executives from acting and holding themselves as such essentially it was to disable it's like your arm disabling the entire arm from working that would have been serious and the repercussions would have been far-reaching uh, likely you know we've put in industry which has paid results the court has dismissed the application so now the party is free you heard the chairman of the Eastern Regional NDC legal team, Isaac Mintalabi. A former attorney general, Marietta Brewer-Pierpont, admonished all party members to utilize the party's internal conflict resolution mechanisms. The application for injunction has been dismissed. I mean, the court says that it will not restrain the NDC from recognizing the duly elected executive as the regional executive or the Eastern Regional Executive of the NDC. And so, I mean, everything is clear for the Regional Executive to do their work on behalf of the party. There was a ruling on an interlocutory injunction. It was very important. If they had been restrained, what it would mean is that we don't have any Regional Executive for the entire Eastern Region. So it was a very important ruling for us, and we're happy with the, with the outcome of the ruling. Marietta Brewer-Pierpont is a former attorney general. Moving on, seven construction workers have been injured after a three-story church building collapsed at Old Botiano in the Gasouth municipality in Accra. According to some eyewitnesses, the injured persons who were working on an extension project of the auditorium heard an unusual noise, but the building collapsed just when they attempted to escape. The National Disaster Management Organization says it has brought its search for any possible trapped victims to an end. Wanda Matthew is Deputy NADMO Director for Gasouth. For now, I can't bring out any assessment yet, simply because the engineers are now trying to work on it and then bring their assessment. So for now, we can't say anything. It is the engineers who will bring their funders for now. But what I can say now is, we have, we have only, them themselves say there are only seven in the building. 
And those seven are all injured. So they've taken them to, uh, uh, what do you call this place? Botiano, Botiano Hospital. And one has been transferred to Kolebu. So that was it. Wanda Matthew is Deputy NADMO Director for the Gut South Municipality here in Accra. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details. An economist, Professor Gottfried Bobkin, has warned that it would be disastrous for the Ghana city to surpass the 13 to 13 Ghana cities to a U.S. dollar threshold in the coming months. His comment follows Fitch Solutions' earlier prediction that the Ghana city will end 2023 trading at a rate of 12 cities, 40 pesos to 1 U.S. dollar, representing a significant improvement from the 38% depreciation experienced last year. Despite the central bank's recent interventions to meet the high demand for foreign exchange due to market uncertainties, the city has demonstrated mixed performance over the past two weeks. In an interview with City Business News, Professor Bobkin shared his perspective on the city's future prospects. Um, I think that um, the way I look at it, between 10.8 Ghana cities to 12.3 Ghana cities will seem a fair range within which the city should be uh, uh, revolving in the next couple of months or years. Uh, the idea is that to allow the city to aid both to go beyond 12 or 13 would create and destabilize so many things. And therefore, I'm sure with IMF program on board and all of that, nobody would be comfortable for the city to, 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 to have such a run. That was an economist, Professor Godfred Bobkin. Now, MTN Ghana will host shareholders at its fifth annual general meeting, AGM, on 30th May 2023. The meeting will be held at the company's head office at MTN House and streamed live from 11 a.m. A statement issued by the company said the meeting will, among other things, receive and consider the audited financial statements together with reports of directors and auditors for the year ended 31st December 2022 and declare final dividend for the year ended 31st December 2022. At the meeting, the shareholders are also expected to approve the payment of a final dividend of 1,524,018,820 Ghana cities, 64 pesos for the financial year 2022. It also noted that shareholders will meet to approve by special resolution the amendment of the company's constitution to align with the Securities and Exchange Commission Corporate Governance Code 2020, the Ghana Stock Exchange Listing Rules and other applicable by law. 
Now, the managing director of the Ghana Stock Exchange, Abena Amwa, has reiterated the need for players within the financial sector to help resuscitate the Ghanaian economy. According to her, collaborations among players within the financial ecosystem, driven by ethical standards, will help restore confidence to the local economy. Ms. Abena Amwa made these comments at the third edition of the Ghana Money Summit organized by the Business and Financial Times under the theme Africa robust financial sector, the catalyst for a sustainable economic growth. By promoting responsible investing, ethical banking practices, and the integration of environmental, social, and governance considerations can create a more sustainable and resilient economy that benefits present and future generations. Collaboration among us is paramount. Government, regulatory bodies, Financial institutions, private sector entities, and civil society must all work hand in hand. We need to foster a culture of transparency, integrity, and accountability. By strengthening governance frameworks, enhancing risk management systems, and promoting ethical behavior, we can build a financial ecosystem that commands trust and attracts investment and stands the test of time. In conclusion, a robust financial system is the bedrock upon which we will change our economy so that we flourish. You have the managing director of the Ghana Stock Exchange, Abena Amwa. Finally, the customers of the defunct gold dealership company, Men's Gold Ghana Limited, have been mourning the silence of authorities to reveal the whereabouts of the funds accrued from the sale of assets of Nanapia Mensa. In 2018, the Securities and Exchange Commission shut down the company for operating illegally. The properties belonging to CEO Nana. Apia Mensa, also known as Nam One, were also seized and later sold to help raise funds to pay the customers. However, years after the sale of the assets, the customers are yet to receive their monies or information on exactly how much money was raised from the auction and the whereabouts of the funds. Fred Forsen speaks for the Coalition of Aggrieved Customers of Men's Gold. And so we want them to tell us how much they earned from the sale of those assets. Then also the gold that were seized from men's gold. So we want to know the amount of gold that they have. So we want the attorney general to tell us the total amount of gold that is in their custody. At the end of the day, it's our money that we want to be paid. And so if we have these resources available, the petition, the one we sent to attorney general, it's been more than eight months now. And uh, ever since he responded that we should wait, they are in the process of uh, compiling the information. We haven't had any, and we even followed it up with a reminder on February 24th. That one, too, there hasn't been a response. But as to the material that we requested from them, they have not been able to provide us with those materials. You know, they sold number one vehicles. If they're able to disclose it to us, then we can you know, we can use that one as a the bargaining chip and go directly to the government and ask them to also ask the response the request that we have made is very key to locking our investment in men's goods. 
Fred Forson speaks for the Coalition of Aggrieved Customers of Men's Gold. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, which was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. CTFM, this is still Eyewitness News. Time now for Point Blank. And tonight we continue our constituency watch as we build up to the NDC presidential and parliamentary primaries on Saturday. We'll be taking you to one of the constituencies here in the Greater Accra region to gauge the mood. But before that, I want to take you to the Western region. Because jurors there are embarking on strike over 30 months unpaid allowances. A second D court was in the a juror in the second D court in the Western region. One of them is Jonathan Ofori Kakra. He joins us via telephone to help us appreciate some of his uh, their concerns. Uh, good evening to you, Mr. Kara, and thank you for joining us on eyewitness news you have uh, embarked on an indefinite strike over unpaid allowances in areas of 13 months yes it's true mm. uh, so you you say that you've embarked on a series of you know efforts to ensure that you are paid uh, can you walk us through what you have been doing in the past for which reason you have still not been able to receive your allowances yeah we serve notice to the registry and of course, we copied the judicial secretary and the chief justice in December that we are going to withdraw our services from 10th January. So on the day when we were supposed to strike, the registrar called us to his office and pleaded with us to suspend it and wait up to March ending. But he's very sure that by March ending, something will happen. We waited. So much, we wrote another letter that if by 2nd May we don't get any of our rounds, we will draw ourselves indefinitely. And since we wrote the letter, we haven't had any correspondence, any, any response from anybody. So we have no option. And we draw, we draw our services. So we started from last week, exactly 2nd May. That's when we started, all of us. So from 2nd May, none of us has been to the court. I see. And so it means that a lot of cases in second D are not being, you know, listened to. All criminal cases, murder, uh, rape, manslaughter, attempted murder, all those cases from second day, none of them have been heard. Mm. 
So this uh, 13 months of unpaid allowances, if you want to quantify it in monetary terms, how much are you owed? Uh, I cannot quantify it because all the jurors are over 50. We don't take the same amount. We are paid according to the number of cases that you, you hold in a, in a month. So when you have a case for one day, you, you are supposed to be paid an allowance. So if during the week you have four cases, Someone may have four, someone may have one. So the amount involved, I cannot, it's a lot, but I cannot quantify it myself. So between the 2nd May that you decided to embark on this uh, industrial action, it's exactly a week today. Yes. You have still not received any response from the appropriate quarters. What, what are you being uh, assured of? Yesterday, we were notified that the presiding judge was going to meet the leadership this morning, 8.30. I woke up this morning to have another understanding that the, uh, the, the supervisor high court judge has cancelled the meeting. So the meeting is not coming on. That was the only response that we have had over, over the period. So you were being, being called for a meeting, but that particular meeting didn't come off as scheduled. That's yes, what the saying. meeting was supposed to come on this morning. Mm. And we were notified again that the meeting has been cancelled. Which would therefore mean that uh, you are still embarking on your strike unabated. Till you are paid. Until we receive all our allowances. Mm. All of them. All the 13 months. Well, is it only a case in the Western region or it's nationwide? Are you able to speak to us on what is happening in the other regions as well? Yeah, it's nationwide. Our colleagues in Sunyani started last two weeks. And this week we have started. Our landscape course and who to are starting next week. And our length, uh, Eastern Region 2 are preparing to strike too. So it's nationwide. But you are striking at the time, JUSAC is also threatening to lay down its tools over uh, delayed salaries. <laughs> yeah, it's almost the same thing. They are also complaining about allowances. We don't take salaries. Jurors mm. don't take salaries, we take allowance. Uh, because we are selected from various government institutions. So, in a way, we receive salaries at our institutions, at our institutions. So we are not paid salary. We receive allowance as per the number of cases that you hold in a week. Yeah, that, a that's, that's actually clear. I'm referencing, you know, the salaries of, you know, the Judicial Service Judicial Staff Service Association. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, not you as an association of jurors. Mm -hmm. mm. yeah. so, so what will you be expecting in the coming days as far as your issues are concerned? What, what are you expecting? Uh, we are expecting to hear from the judicial service or the government assuring us that they are going to honor our, 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 our challenge. But like I said earlier, until we receive the full 30 months allowance, we will not listen to any other matter again. We will not go. So this 30 months allowance that you are talking about, what is the duration span, if you can share with us? The last time they paid us here in Western Region, the last time they paid us was January 2022. January 2022. You know, the court break uh, in uh, August, September, court doesn't work during that period. And so when you take that two months out, you have 13 months. Hmm. All right. Uh, we are grateful. We are just wishing you well that your concerns will be addressed in the coming days as your strike escalates. We will definitely come back to you. For more Thank you very much. information, that's Jonathan Oforikara. He's a juror.
at the secondary courts in the western region they've embarked on an indefinite strike over unpaid allowances in arrears of 13 months <laughs> on eyewitness news like i already told you we are building up to the ndc primaries on saturday i want to take you to the amasaman constituency speak to one of the parliamentary aspirants at primaries part of our constituency watch. He is Ernest George Thompson. He's actually a former chairman of that particular constituency. Good evening to you, Mr. Thompson. Thank you for joining us on Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I trust you are doing well. Yes, Andrew. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Good. Uh, how is your campaign uh, shaping up ahead of Saturday's primaries? going on well it's going on well we are we are doing our best <laughs> where your best means where, where my best is i'm going to win <laughs> of course you're in that particular I, race to win yeah 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 i've thought i've thought almost all the branches almost all and i'm even on campaign trail as i'm talking to you now mm. so on your campaign trail uh, what message are you putting across for the delegates so that they give you that note to represent the NDC in the Amasaman constituency. Oh yeah, I'm telling them uh, the 2024 election is not going to be an easy, it's not going to be easy. So we need tough people with experience to try and lead the party and make sure we win the seat. And you are that tough person with that experience. Yeah, I've done it before. I've done it before. I've done it. I've produced MPs before and. Uh, I know what it takes to win the seat. Mm. So <laughs> I think I'm the best among the rest. But but if you've produced MPs before, why is so mm. why is, are you still not continuing with that particular, you know, agenda to produce more MPs but you want to be an MP yourself? Um this time it's not going to be an easy task. Right? So I need to be in control of everything. That's why I decided to be the MP so that um, I'll be able to handle the party very well in Amasama because, uh, as I said, it's not going to be an easy task. It's not going to be an easy task, you say, but what, what was the difference this time around? For which reason you want to handle the party? Um, if, 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 if you look at the trend, things are going. That means uh, it's going to be, you know, the Supreme Court is packed. We don't, and if you go to an election and you feel maybe you are not satisfied, you want to go to the court, you know what will happen. 
and uh, the people are the easy. So a lot of times they said they're going to bring the, break the eight. So they're putting in place a lot of measures. So that alone means that you have to be very strong and make sure you'll be able to face them, put for boot. Your issue is with the people at the Electoral Commission. Is that your point? Everybody, Electoral Commission and the ruling government. I see. Yes. But in the Amasaman constituency, as far as the NDC is concerned, what is it looking like at the party level? Oh, it, 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 it looks very bright. Very, very bright. Um, and um, very bright. We're going, to, we're going to take our seat back. But, but you are not the only one in the race. You are going against, you know, eight others in the race. Uh, mm. So in terms of dynamics, uh, what will you see? Uh, how, how do you see yourself? I'm just trying to separate the, the boys from the man. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and you are the man. I'm the man. <laughs> <laughs> but you were, you were once a constituency chairman sometime yes. in 2016. And then... Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, you mm. you you gave chance to another uh, constituency chairman mm. who was not able to maintain the seat for the NDC yeah. in the constituency, and mm. so you want to come back. Uh, walk us through your strategy. What really are you putting on the grounds? Oh, the electorates they've they've already realized they made, they made a big mistake. Because people came with a lot of lies. They lied about me, uh, all sort of things. So. I think now they, they they are going to be smart now. They, if you say they are going to be smart, what do you mean? They won't allow anybody to come and lie to them anymore. Yeah. Why? Previously, the aspirants have been telling lies to them. A lot of lies, a lot of lies. Why? Why, why do you say Unfortunately, that? oh, I was around. I was listening to them, and uh, the lies were a lot. Mama gave me three billion, and I took the money away. I didn't bring it to the grassroots. I didn't bring it to the constituency, and they've all realized that it wasn't true. So it was more of a personal attack. Not a personal attack, eh? That is what that that was his strategy. <laughs> so, so he lied his way through. He lied his way through, yes. And when he got a seat, they realized that he he was lying. Mm. But it was too late, yeah. And so you are in there to correct the wrongs. Um, yes, I mean, I'm in there to correct the wrongs. We are right. On top of your head, what are some of the things that you are putting across? Just give me three of your, you know, your agenda. My agenda. Hmm. My, my main agenda is to take our seat back. That is my number one agenda. After that, then I'll think of anything else. But the main agenda is getting our seat back. So throughout your campaign, all you have been sharing with delegates is that you want to uh, reclaim the seat from the I want to reclaim yes, the patriotic party. But how exactly are you going to do that? Um, we're going to shape a lot of things and the mistakes we made. We make we are going to make sure we get our people out to vote massively for our party, and uh, those some people were bought. We want to bring them back. And then make sure, I think that will make, make us win the seat. But, but I'm aware that in your constituency, you currently do not have executives. So the absence of the executives in the constituency, how, how is it having an effect on, you know, the entire conduct of the primaries? Uh, 
Oh, actually, we'll be having executives just after the primaries. Mm. Now, the region is going to take over to run the election. Just after the election, we'll be having the executive. So, just after the primaries on Saturdays, you'll be paving mm. the way for the election it's of, it's you it's know... It's I think no, no more than two mm. But we've been speaking to delegates, really. The conversation among delegates is that the NDC in the Amasaman constituency doesn't really have anything new to offer. How do you react to these concerns from, you know, constituents that you are begging for their, for their support? Mm. I think um, maybe we've been talking to the wrong people, but uh, the NDC delegates... They are all aware and they know this time we are going to produce something good. So, so that's something good that you want to produce. What really is on your scorecard that mm. you'll be trumpeting? For which reason you think that you are the right man for the, for, for, for the job? And so delegates should give you the nod. Um, the constituents, you know, my main objective is uh, women and the youth. That is uh, what I always concentrate on, and 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 uh, I'm sure when we develop the area too, and uh, the president has put in in place a lot of measures to help every constituency in the country. So um, um, I have a lot of links. I have a lot of connections. So I'm going to use I'm going to use that link connections to bring some development to my people in Amasaman and also create some great job for them and the youth and introduce some vocational skills for the women and the youth. So I'm putting in place some measures, some things to uh, I see. Well, so what message? I'm giving you the platform to speak to your delegate. What message are you telling them? Because the D-Day is on Saturday. Okay. Um, all delegates in Amasaman vote for me because I've been there before. I have the experience. And, uh, uh, you know, I've won a seat before. I left a safe seat for Amasaman. Unfortunately, we lost a seat. I'm coming back to bring the seat back and, and make sure that... Uh, Everybody in Amasaman will have a feel of it. All right, thank you. Best wishes to you in that election on Saturday. That's NS George Thompson, an NDC parliamentary aspirant for the Amasaman constituency and also a former chairman of that same constituency. We are staying in Amasaman speak to another parliamentary candidate hopeful, Emmanuel Kwashi. Uh, Mr. Kwashi, welcome to Eyewitness News. Good evening to you. Oh, evening, evening, evening. I want to greet every, all the listeners of PSN mm. and all my and all my uh, Mr. Mr. Kwashi, we lost you briefly. If you can put your message across to your, your, your delegate once more. All right. I said um, good evening um, to all the listeners of CTFM. Mm. To all the listeners of CTFM. Oh, 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 all right. We are struggling to I'm hear you. Right. But if, if Mr. Kwashi, you can reposition yourself for us, we'll be uh, much grateful. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> 
Well, you are preparing yeah. to lead the NDC in the 2024 election, for which reason you are running in uh, Saturday's primaries. But you are going against eight other contenders in that particular race. I just had a conversation uh, with, with your former, you know, chairman, constituency chairman, N.S. Mm. George Thompson, who says he is a better man in terms of leading the party in the Amasaman constituency. Hello, Mr. Kwashi. Uh, sincere apologies there. We do not uh, seem to have Mr. Kwashi on the line. The line is quite terrible. Let's try to reconnect to him. And then we'll be speaking to Mr. Kwashi. We'll try to reconnect to Emmanuel Kashi once more. But before that, let me come in studio and speak with our man following the NDC presidential and parliamentary primaries, Philip Nilati, my colleague here in the City Newsroom, who joins us in studio. Well, Philip, it has been a busy week for you, and yeah, exactly. it appears that it will be more busy, it will be busier mm -hmm. actually by the end of the week. But you have been going around the country mm -hmm. trying to speak to some NDC delegates, but generally, what have you been picking up? Exactly. So, um, going around in the greater Accra region specifically, and let's start with the Amasaman constituency that has nine uh, parliamentary candidate hopefuls. Samuel Achufosin is contesting. We have Sedong Kweku Apenyo, who actually contested for the 2019 uh, parliamentary uh, position and he won, went into the 2020 elections and lost to um, Akwesi Efifa Mensa of the NPP. We have Opolu Williams Akwesi, uh, who is also contesting in the Yamasaman constituency and Kwashi Imano that you just spoke to, Imano Thompson, who is the former um, chairman of the party in that region. We have Martini Ayitego. We have Precious Kweku Senafianyo, uh, and we have Henry Ni Chate Mabel, and also Mamudu Ahmed. These individuals are contesting the parliamentary candidate position in the Amasaman constituency. And according to the Greater Accra Regional Office of the NDC, the general secretary, that is Teofilos Tetejas Chai, he says that this is the constituency with the highest number and of course uh, rightly so so the mood in the Amasaman constituency is that delegates are uh, hoping to give the nod to who um, who deserves it but it looks like this is an open race I was actually coming to the issue mm. of numbers because nine, you know, parliamentary aspirants, that's really huge. That's really what, huge. What's happening in the Amasaman constituency that a lot of people want to well, represent? Well, because the, the, the former MP for the area, mm. that is uh, Emmanuel Nyokanlai, who contested uh, in the in the previous primaries and lost to Sadam Apenyo, um, didn't 
return this time around he's going to a different constituency mm -hmm. so uh, it looks like now the the the, the, the place is open okay. and any other individual maybe who is resourceful and also thinks that he or she can do something for the constituency who want to come in and at least get he him or herself into that particular seat and also try and uh, bring development into the area but when i spoke to the general secretary of the ndc in the greater courage he said that well it's, it's it's a good it's a good move that you have a lot of the aspirants in there contesting that particular seat and it tells you that the ndc has become attractive in that particular uh, constituency looking at the fact that in the 2020 elections the ndc lost to the npp in that same constituency that is the ashaman constituency so it makes the whole thing very difficult so uh, that is what is happening in uh, the amasaman constituencies but you know i always as has been said delegates who decide mm. come may 13 in the in that particular constituency no, but, uh, aside from Amasaman. Someone, I know that you've been to some other constituency. Yesterday, you were in Adenta. Yes, yeah. I was in the Adenta constituency, and in the Adenta constituency, the race is between or amongst three individuals. We have the incumbent, that is um, Adamu Ramadan, mm -hmm. and we have uh, the uh, new entrance, that mm -hmm. they all say, Linda Asibia Wini, and we have um, the former gender minister, that Nana is Oye Nana Oye Bampuado. Uh, so she, they are into the race. And it tells you that even with the Adenta constituency, it's a, it's a constituency that is going to be very exciting looking at the the terrain because you speak to some of the delegates, they don't want Ramadan in there. You speak to some of the delegates, right, they he's, don't. He's not served them well. Enough. Well, it looks like what some of the delegates are saying is that um, some of the promises he made, uh, he's not been able to fulfill them. But the question again is that on the D-Day, the delegates will decide. There are people to that when you speak to, they're like, okay, fine. We want to go with Ramadan. There are people who say we want to give the nod to uh, Nana Oye. Others are also of the view that, well, why don't they give it to a young lady that is uh, Linda Asibiawini to also represent them in parliament. So um, the delegates are hopeful that by the end of the entire process, they would give it to who best deserves it. Mm -hmm. But also another exciting constituency, that is the Ningo Pram Pram constituency. And uh, that oh, constituency, Sam George and Mike <laughs> Quite is also another constituency to watch out for. You know, in the last primaries, Sam George won by a slim margin that is seven votes. So, interesting constituencies mm, in let's there. Let's see how everything goes down by close of day on Saturday. But thank you so much. That's my colleague in the city newsroom, Philip Nilate, giving us a wrap of what he's been able to gather so far as far as the NDC presidential and parliamentary primaries is concerned. But that's how we end today's edition of Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Ni Latte Latte. The show was produced by Samuel Afe, uh, Corbina Wilson, and then Beverly Landon. Technical support from Daniel Squashi and new media support coming in from Edwin Kofi. Eyewitness News returns tomorrow at exactly 5.30 GMT. Have a good night. <laughs>
City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.